Does your wealth align with your values? In what ways does your wealth affect your decision-making? How does wealth impact your family dynamics? These are the big questions we'll help you answer on your road to wealth savviness. Join Amar Shah and his guest experts in the Savvy Wealth Podcast as they share insights and stories to help align your wealth with your values and family dynamics. Hello and welcome to another podcast with Amar Shah. This is the Savvy Wealth Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the process. We're going to talk about how Amar does things fundamentally unique and different than other financial services professionals. And we're going to start off with the question, the question of all questions in my mind, which is a lot of advisors focus on what we refer to as ROR or rate of return. Amar, how do you focus on that? So to look at rate of return, it doesn't give a whole picture to somebody's wealth. And so what we do is that we plan for the certainty of uncertainty. Clients pay us a fee not for having the highest return, but for having the highest probability of success under all different circumstances. And and, and just let's look at this. So we're in October now uh, in 2019. At the beginning of the year, the Fed had the Fed's funds rate projected to be at 3.37% at the end of the year. And all we were talking about were rate hikes. And if we look at where we are at today, we're closer about 1.5%. And, and people are talking about how the Fed's going to reduce rates or increase the money supply. So the reality is that nobody knows what's going to happen. And so what we want to do is have a plan in place that gives us the highest probability of success under all conditions. I guess I would say I'm, a, I'm an expert at no, not knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm prepared to tell clients the truth, True. that no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah. So we should plan to have the highest probability of success, regardless of what happens. Gotcha. Well, you know, it, it's interesting to me because, uh, you know, so many people in financial services have to say past performance is not a guarantee of, of future results. So you not knowing what's going on is is the truth. And, and Amar, I just want to commend you. Not a lot of advisors are going to have the, uh, the the confidence to be able to say that and, and redirect the conversation to something that's very important. Yeah, and you're, you're right. Because when I first got into the industry, everybody was saying, oh, this is what we're predicting for the future. This is the P.E. ratios. This is what we're looking for. I mean, frankly, it's all BS um, <laughs> because nobody really can predict anything. And, and for every prediction that somebody's made, I can look at history and find two or three predictions with the same scenarios Mm -hmm. that have gone the exact opposite way. And so we believe we should control the controllables. So we believe we should control our taxes, have have a good, our hands around, you know, when we pay taxes and how much we pay, we should have control on fees. We should also have control on behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if we can focus on the things that we can control, we're going to have the highest probability of success regardless of what happens in the future. You're right. Yeah. Well, so ROR is a big one, but the other thing that we hear a lot in the, in the media is everybody who's a financial planner. So we're going to start by kind of disqualifying a bunch of people who aren't actual financial planners. But if you're a financial planner, one of the things that we hear is I can simplify a person's life. 
What do you do? How do you answer that? And, and what do you do when it comes to simplification that allows people to truly get a grasp of what their financial plan is? Okay, so this is going to be a long one. because. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. And well, uh, to be 100% honest, I want people to understand the full process of how I got to where I am today. When I first got into the financial industry, one of the things that I do a lot of pondering and reading and stuff like that. And so one of the things that I read was that individuals that have wealth have more stress related to their finances today than ever before. Right. Hmm. So, you know, when I first got in the industry, I was like, how can that possibly be? You know, you have more money, you could potentially just throw money at problems and they would go away. It's not the reality. You know, we fast forward roughly 12 years and I've also realized that when we look at at the end of life and what we truly value and how we spend our time, there's a there's a differentiation between health span and lifespan. And and what I mean by that is that when we look at somebody's life and we say what were the best years or what did you value most about your life if we're able to interview that person, uh health span is those healthy years and lifespan is what the hospitals and the medical community do to extend life. But what, what research has shown is that the last five years of healthy life, all the decisions that you make around time, and, and this, and we're assuming a healthy individual, not like a sudden death or anything like that, but all the decisions that you make around time are based off of values. Hmm. And so going back to your question with that framework is, how do we simplify a person's life and, and how do we do it differently? Well, what we do is we've created a framework where we align our behaviors to our goals and to our values. And that framework helps making helps decision-making become a lot easier, which then reduces the stress, the burden of wealth. And that way, our clients have that peace of mind and have that simplicity to, to enjoy life. And how, and basically that's how we do it differently is we take a values-based approach. Part of this is quite personal to you though. Would you mind just kind of getting a little bit more personal with some things that have happened in your life that make you align yourself with this philosophy? Yeah, I mean, once you know that you have enough wealth that your bills will be paid, the only thing, the, 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 the next biggest aha moment becomes around time. And, and so nobody can buy time. You know, Bill Gates can't buy time, right? So, so what we're faced with is that we have limited time and, and we all have the same 24 hours. And it's how do we spend that time? And we want to focus on things that, are, that we find value in, right? A lot of what I do is aligning your decision-making behavior with your goals. And the reason that we do that is that your values are the most powerful thing in life. And when you, and you get to pick your values, it's not my job to, to tell you what you value. It's, it's just my job is to be that sounding board that we can identify the key values and align your decision-making to those values. In the and, inaugural podcast, uh, you had talked about some of the values and some of the things that you learned from, from your dad and from your mom. Do, do those apply here at all? in the way that you do things differently to help people align their values with their, their money? 
to answer your original question, yes. And so one of the things that's happened to me personally is that, you know, my dad and mom gave, gave a lot of back to the community and that's a value that, you know, they've passed down to me. Well, it's also important for me to pass it down to my children. So, you know, that's one of the things that we value. We have wealth. So how do we use that wealth to, to align with giving back to the community? And uh, we spend more time with hands-on community service. So, Mark, thank you for walking us down uh, that journey to find out a little bit more about uh, how you think. But I want to talk now about how you not just think, but you do. How do you use planning as your focus? Yes, we are a planning-focused firm. However, our focus is really aligning your decision-making behavior with your goals and your goals with your values. And we found through research on the topic of values-based decision-making coupled with goals, that it is more powerful than just goals-based decision-making. And there's nothing more powerful than, than your values. So, so my job really as a planner is to align your decision-making with things that we can control, like taxes, fees, behavior, and our framework to get there is to have a base layer of values coupled with your family dynamics, because every family is different, surrounded that with your goals, and then the uncertainty of life. And once we do that, we have a framework for your financial plan. So we, we have the plan as a tool to make better decision-making. Let's talk about decision-making and just kind of how your brain works, because you have found that being an engineer helps you as an advisor. How is that? Yeah, let's step back. Like The field of being a financial advisor is typically taken on by people with business backgrounds, marketing, sales. In the big firms, they're known as asset gatherers, where they bring assets to the firm, and, and that's basically it. What differentiates us and just the engineering mindset is that I think of my role as problem solving 2.0 and because there's a human element to it. So when we look at engineering as a, as a problem to get from point A to point B, like a black box style, or, or just even using computer programming, where if there's a problem and it requires, there's two solutions, one requires five lines of code, one requires 10, there's a clear answer that, of what, what is better. How do we get from point A to point B, the easiest way, the fastest way, the most concise way? Whereas in financial planning, it's different. And it's different for two reasons. The first reason is the best path to get from point A to point B. I don't get to pick. The client has to pick that because it's, it's going to be what they stick with and what they find value in, a method that they trust that they can continue to do in good times and bad times. And and in our industry, we're taught to be like doctors, you know, like, hey, clients are coming to you for a recommendation. You tell them what to do. Well, that's this is where I disagree with the industry. And I think it's completely wrong because for individuals that have wealth, they're good at making decisions. They know what they need to do. What they want is advice on different solutions to get there. And my job 
and, and why I consider this engineering 2.0 or problem solving 2.0 is that, yes, I can solve the answer. I need to find an answer that clients will actually stick with, but they'll actually implement. And uh, that that's a different dynamic to problem solving. Sure. Now let's talk about how you invest. Uh, this is, you know, another one of those kind of loaded questions. Uh, but how do you explain your investment philosophy or, or how you invest your clients' money? How we invest is very simple. <laughs> it, there's nothing fancy to what we do. Okay. Uh, and so if you look at my background, I'm a chartered financial analyst. So I could run regression analysis. I could run Excel spreadsheets till you know the 20th table where, <laughs> where we can find out momentum models versus factor models. But what I've realized is that investing, the number one thing that you have to do in investing is to stay invested and stick to your strategy. And so I've noticed that with complex products or complex solutions, people don't understand why they have what they have. Hmm. And so I've I've taken the route of let's simplify this to just base to three basic investments, stocks, bonds, and cash. And then it's my role as an advisor when when things are going down and things are not doing as well and being long only, you're going to probably do worse than other investments that are out there. But it's my role to tell you to, to stick with it. And it's my role that says that over time, this is the right solution. This is the best solution to get you ahead. And And when we look at this and we look at people that use alternatives or anything that's non your traditional asset classes, in down markets, they definitely do save you. They reduce the volatility downwards. There's no doubt about that. But if you're losing money, the difference from losing 5% versus 10%, you're still losing. So you're still going to have that difficult conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the upwards markets, when, when the S&P 500 or whatever indice you want to use is doing well, you're still going to maybe underperform that. Because, you know, it's, that's the definition of diversification, that there's going to be something that's, that's doing cruddy in your portfolio. And because you have something cruddy, that, that's how you know that you're well diversified. It's kind of funny how that works, right? <laughs> but but the, the amplitude of that cruddiness in over long periods of time, the traditional asset classes is what your strategy get ahead over longer time periods. So, the, the first thing is to, to have a strategy. The second thing is to stay invested through good times and bad. And, and what I found for people to understand, for people to comprehend, and to get the best outcome over uh, a period of time has been to stick with traditional asset classes, traditional stocks, bonds, and cash. Well, a couple of things. Number one, you are truly uniquely qualified to understand that because of the CFA. I want to make sure that everybody truly understands the the level. Yeah, Google it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should totally Google CFA. But the other thing, and, and it, I'm going to go back to your first answer here, Amar, because the the rate of return, what, what a lot of other people are focusing on, isn't your focus. Your focus is the alignment of people's wealth and their values to make sure that they're truly living their life in the way that they want. And, and I think it's fantastic that 
that you have simplified that down enough where when we did talk about the simplification, um, that the stuff that makes financial planning so complex is not what you focus on. What you focus on is the emotionally complex stuff that a lot of advisors run away from. There's two parts to that that I would add is that you have to understand that the individuals that I work with or the families and uh, relationships that I have have done an excellent job at accumulating wealth. Mm -hmm. They're at a different point in time, right? They're in a time where they're realizing that how do I align all these different factors because I know I'm going to have excess wealth and that I want to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of aligning what's important to me to what actually happens, right? So that's where our focus is. Let's talk about you being the family's advisor. This is one of the more refreshing things that I like about your practice because you refer to yourself as the family's advisor. How do you incorporate your clients' families into the financial planning process? Being a family advisor means going up one level and going down you know, one level as well. There, there are three ways that we incorporate this, uh, especially for individuals that are between the age of 60 and 75, because you, know, you, you may still have your parents around. They may depend upon you, not financially, but they could move back in with you. So there's a lot of different dynamics there. Then we work with families with siblings, right? So if mom and dad had significant wealth and they have a a trust that produces income to the siblings, sometimes fair is not equal. Sometimes that will need a further discussion to kind of make sure that there's harmony within that decision-making of having that. And then the third part I would say is really around education. And education, we don't have a formal system that teaches wealth management or financial planning or how to, how to be better with your finances as you go through the K through 12 system, or even in college. A lot of times you find is that the first generation has significant wealth and they've worked hard to get that wealth. Second generation has only known how to spend that wealth. And then the third generation will have none, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think there's a statistic out there that after a first generation of wealth passes away, 85% of those assets are spent by the second generation. Yeah. So, and that's not why that first generation works so hard for, right? And, and, and to get that wealth. So part of what we do is the education and the education really is basic concepts, living within your means, saving, being tax conscious, aligning your decision-making with, with that wealth. Right. You know, how would your decisions be different if mom and dad's money wasn't helping you out at this point in life? Mm -hmm. And so um, we really try to provide a comprehensive solution where we're looking at different family dynamics, different family solutions, as well as education component of making sure that we have the highest likelihood of success, you know, probability of success of this money continuing down the bloodline for multiple generations. Well, Mark, thank you very much for giving us a, a good look into, you know, really how you run uh, your financial planning from a client perspective. Are there any closing thoughts that you have before we wrap up today? There is nothing more powerful in it. Once you have wealth to aligning your values to your decision-making, 
is going to reduce stress. Financial stress can impact your health. And so aligning your values with your decision-making is what we focus on. And it is the key in order to make sure the next decade, two decades, three decades are the best decades of your life. Wonderful. And I, I truly believe that. And if you are truly in line with your values when it comes to your wealth, it makes decision-making even easier because the checks and balances you have in place are the checks and balances on how you look at the world. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time Amar comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who really should hear this podcast, it's super easy to share it. All you have to do is click that share button and share this with your friends and family. Amar, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to reach out and find out a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, we're we're on LinkedIn, and we also uh, have a website, and you can feel free to contact us directly. Uh, we have a 1-800 number, which is 1-800-310-2828. And we'll make sure that we have that stuff in the show notes, too, so people can click on your website and also contact you directly. So for everybody at Client First Capital, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Savvy Wealth Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember, investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Client First Capital LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Client First Capital LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Client First Capital LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.